My life flashes in front of me as big as the sky. And it was right then and there, God and I began to look at my life. One of the most life-changing aspects of this experience for many people is what they call their life review. They watch their life replayed in this panoramic vision of every scene, and they see the ripple effect of their little acts of kindness or the things that weren't so kind. They come back knowing that how we treat each other, how we love each other, that's what matters most. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. And Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at how that event impacted this person that impacted that person that impacted that person. 22.2% of near-death experiencers have a fascinating phenomenon known as life review. At this time, they may see a part or even all of their prior life. It's often described as flashing before them like on a screen. I saw an image that flashed into my mind and I was 11 years old and I was kneeling at a uh, church summer camp. Man, I was sincere. I was reliving every moment. It was almost as we were watching the film of my life. You ever want to be in the movies? You know, uh, see yourself on the big screen? Well, guess what? <laughs> One day you will. Your life will replay and the movie of your life will be shown. And that doesn't need to cause you fear. I mean, if that creates anxiety in you right now hearing that, stick with us. I hope by the end of this message, you'll realize that your, the movie of your life, your life review can be a source of great joy and, and reward. And as long as you're here, God has you here for a purpose and you can fulfill that purpose. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. How do you actually do that? Well, you know, if you're just joining us for the first time, we've been in this series uh, and I would encourage you to go back on our gatewaychurch.com message archives and listen to where we've been. We've been talking about uh, the commonalities of near-death experiences. When people clinically die and yet modern medicine resuscitates them and they speak of what's after life. And I've for 30 years studied over a thousand of these and wrote about how they join together the commonalities of these experiences so connect to what God has revealed through the scriptures since the beginning of human history. And we've taken a look at the scientific evidence for the afterlife. We've looked at the beauty of the life to come. Last week, we looked at the God of light and love in whom presence, near-death experiencers never wanted to leave this God's presence. And many times in this God's presence, they get a life review. Now, what is this life review? I mean, is it judgment? Is it, is it the judgment? Well, not like the judgment that's talked about in the Bible, because that doesn't come till the very end of human history. Talks about it in Revelation chapter 20. It says, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So the life review is not that because that happens at the end of all human history. But what it seems to be is a preview. I, I believe actually a gift from God. 
given to these people, but also given to us to remind us what God has always said matters most so that we can live our lives for what lasts, for what ultimately matters. You know, the life review uh, is, it has the most dramatic effect on someone who has a near-death experience. It clarifies to them uh, what God cares about and it shows them this, re- this relational reverberation person to person that happens. Now, different life reviews happen in different ways. Some see it flashing before them at the instant of their death. Uh, like Ian, um, uh, what's Ian's last name? Uh, McCormick was in an ambulance and he's dying on the way in the ambulance and he says his life flashes before him. Uh, another one, uh, Gary uh, Wood said that at the time of his car crash, uh, he said, my whole life passed before me in a millisecond. There was no confusion about what just happened. Then I left my body and was up above the car. So sometimes the life review happens at the, as the person is dying, but more often it happens in the presence of this God of love. And God shows people their life and usually it begins with a question that God asks. They paraphrase it different ways, but basically what have you done with the life I've given you? And now it's not said in judgment, everything is said and done in love, but it's intended, they say, to get them to look at their lives and reflect on their lives. And what they re-experience many times is a panoramic three-dimensional reliving of, in many cases, every event of their lives. Some, it's just particular instances. But it's like you're watching yourself go through life again, 3D, but you're not just experiencing what you thought and felt, but what the other people thought and felt as well. And it has a dramatic effect on people. And this is exactly what Jesus told us. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus turns to his disciples and he warns them about the Pharisees. It says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. They were religious hypocrites. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. Whatever you've said in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you've whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Jesus is saying, you can't hide anything from God, you know? And, and like we looked at last week, and you don't need to. Because God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. There's no one who understands you, who gets you more and is more for you. But what Jesus has said is, you know, God looks at the secret thoughts at, and even the motives. Take a look. Jesus says, for all that is secret will eventually be brought in the open. Everything that's concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. And then he says, so pay attention to how you hear. For those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away. Now that's important because notice it's the attitude of the heart that God is looking at. Is there a willingness? Are you seeking God? Are you open to what what God is trying to convey? You know, that's what's most important whether you're really seeking God and trying to learn about God and listen for what God says, or you're really denying God and just living for self. You know, Paul Ojeda found out that's a dangerous way to live, but an even more dangerous way to die. Watch. 
plate full of cocaine, I, I have an overdose. I am not high. I am uh, definitely know what's going on and where I'm at. Um, and I'm shocked because I'm just like, what happened? And that's when I realized I died. And so as I'm going down, the next thing that comes to my head is, oh my God, I, I died and I'm going to hell. I start to tell the Lord, well, I think there's some kind of mistake here because, you know, I've, I've never killed anybody. I've never robbed a bank. I've never done anything major that I think, you know. I'm making all these justifications why I don't deserve hell. It seems like it starts going faster and faster. And so when I realize that there's nothing I can do to turn it around, I get to this place of desperation where I cry out to the Lord. And all of a sudden, shoo, the Spirit of the Lord comes down and I feel the presence of God. I knew because there was a sense of peace that came down right beside me. And he says, Paul, what have you done with the life that I've given to you? I know what Adam felt like to stand before the Lord and be totally exposed and naked before God because every thought, every motive, every intention, before I even thought it, he knew what I was thinking. As I'm trying to figure out what the right answer is before I could answer, my life flashes in front of me as big as the sky. And it was right then and there, God and I began to look at my life. And everything I had did in secret and open, good or bad, everything, every detail of my life was flashing right before me. It was almost as we were watching the film of my life, every, every detail, every moment. And at this point, I was about 30 years old. And so from birth all the way up till this point, you know, God was just revealing to me what my life looked like to Him. I was now looking outside in and getting God's view of my life. It was only then that I realized how selfish I was. And so it was only then that I realized uh, I didn't give God glory, honor. Um, it was at that point that I realized that uh, how I, I didn't have any relationship with God. What a sinful man that I was. I had done nothing with this thing, this precious thing called life that God gave me. I had done nothing for Him with it. And so it was at that point that I, I began to think to myself, you know, God is not wrong in sending me to hell. It was at that point that I realized that God was just in His actions in sending me to hell. I, I couldn't weasel my way out of this one. I couldn't come up with an excuse. You know, the truth was before me. And it was probably the saddest moment in my entire life. And so at that point, I began to tell the Lord, I feel like there was a change of heart in me. It was at that point that I, I said, God, um, I don't even want to come back for me. As a matter of fact, if you want to send me to, um, to hell, it's okay. But I don't want anybody to come to this place. Absolutely nobody. Bam, I wake up and uh, I'm in the hospital with the IVs. Hmm. And I look over to my side and I see Lillian. And I tell her, I said, I found that God you've been telling me about. Hmm. And I'm, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to hell. I said, from this point forward, I said, I'm going to serve him. And that's what Paul has done. Um, he's a friend of mine. 
you know, Paul uh, at, at that point, he goes and he starts seeking God and he comes to faith in Jesus. He gets baptized. He was living in Houston, successful plumbing business, living on a golf course in Houston. But he starts talking to some of his relatives and friends here in Austin, uh, people who are, you know, addicts and dealing drugs and exotic dancers. And he starts sharing what he learned about the God of light and love. And they come to faith and Paul ends up selling his business, moving to Austin. And he's still, uh, he restarted his business. He still has a successful business here in Austin, but he's also part-time pastor of the largest, one of the largest Hispanic churches in Austin. And I know that Paul would tell you this. He would say, don't wait for the life review to live openly and honestly before God and to let God look at your life with you. Live now for what matters most. Now I need to pause here to make something absolutely clear. And, the, and, and what Paul realized is that relationship with God is a gift. You don't, you don't have to earn that. You know, Jesus said it here in John 5, 24. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. See, relationship with God is free for all who want it. You don't have to earn it. And you don't get cast out from God's presence because of the wrongs you've done. Jesus paid for those 2,000 years ago so that anyone who recognizes they need forgiveness, anybody who wants relationship with God can accept the gift that he's given of relationship. Hell, on the other hand, as we'll talk about in a few weeks, is the only place where God stays out. When people don't want God in their lives, eventually he says, okay, your will be done. Paul got a second chance, but this is important to realize. I don't think the Bible teaches you get a second chance after you fully die. In fact, it says the opposite. Paul had a second chance because he hadn't fully died. You know, near-death experiencers say there was a border or a boundary. They knew they couldn't cross and still come back. And that's why they still have a chance to cry out to God. But that's all it takes. Now, people misunderstand, though, the love and, and the grace and forgiveness of God many times. Like when they're experiencing this life review, some come back and they say, hey, there is no judgment because God is love and he was loving me. I was judging myself. And so all I need to do is just not be so harsh with myself. It's all good. And I think that's a misunderstanding. Because Jesus said he came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. But he also said this in Matthew chapter 12. He said, for by your words will you be acquitted and by your words will you be condemned. This is what people in the life review experience. They know the truth. It's their own words that say very clearly what is true. But remember, all it takes for a relationship with God is just the words I want you in my life. I need what Jesus did to count for me. Forgive me and come lead my life. And then it says, your name is recorded in the book of life forever. Now, there's something else that bothers me though that sometimes I think gives Jesus a bad name. It's when Christians think that praying a prayer and being made right with God, you know, like you're gonna go to heaven. So you got fire insurance, you're not going to hell. But then 
They don't think their deeds or what they do matters at all and nothing could be further from the truth. You know, relationship is a gift from God, but what you do with that life and relationship is your gift back to God. And your experience in this life is far more continuous with the life to come than you realize. In other words, what you do here, you take with you. It, it goes on or it doesn't. Your deeds follow you and they affect your life to come. And the life review reminds us of that. So live for what matters most. And you know, Jesus was asked, what matters most? What's the greatest commandment? Remember Matthew 5, chapter 22, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then he said a second is equally important. In other words, you can't really do the first without doing the second. Love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to love yourself. God loves you. You experience love. You love God by loving your neighbor. The entire law and demands of the prophets, in other words, the whole Bible, is based on these two commandments. See, What's amazing to me is that as I've studied a thousand of these near-death experiences all around the globe, it doesn't matter what religious background or culture, when they have this life review in the presence of God, they come back knowing two things. God is love and how we treat one another, how we love one another is what matters most in this life. You know, Howard Storm, uh, who was an atheist college professor that you met last week, um, you know, like Paul cried out to Jesus in a hellish NDE and Jesus rescued him from that just like he did Paul. But then Jesus takes him and in the presence of angels, Howard gets a life review. Now here's what's fascinating. In 1 Peter 1.12, it says that angels are looking in, watching our lives. I believe they're recording these books, but maybe this life review is actually the books of heaven. Watch. Howard, tell us about this life review that you had. There was a number of angels, I call them angels, who had been recording my entire life, all my life, and Jesus wanted them to play out in chronological order the scenes of my life. And the entire emphasis was on my interaction with other people, of course, initially starting out with my mother and father and my sisters and then, you know, school and friends. and. Um, so you just, you saw it or you We saw it, we felt it. it, we experienced it. It was really interesting because it was, um, the whole emphasis was on people and not on things. Matter of fact, there were some instances where um, I had uh, won promotions, honors, awards, and they skipped them. And Jesus, I said to Jesus, uh, you're skipping the most important thing in my life. This is what I live for to get this award, Kentucky Artist of the Year big banquet in my honor and a big cash prize and everything. And uh, he said, that's not what we're here for you to see. That's not important. What I want you to see is how you treated the students. So what I learned in my life review was that um, the um, relationship with my father, I had participated in the breakdown of that relationship as much as he did. He was not a good father to me and I resented it and I was angry at him. So I did everything I could subconsciously and sometimes consciously to be as rebellious and as cold-hearted towards him as possible, which only aggravated him more and made him more of a hostile father. So the things that I had seen in my life that where I was the victim and everybody else was the bad guy, I came to find out. And, um, it was a two-way street. We were both the plain skin. As my life 
progressed from my adolescence into my adulthood, I saw myself turning completely away from God, church, all that, and becoming um, a person who decided that life was all about um, the biggest, baddest bear in the woods wins. And now I began to experience Jesus and the angels literal pain. What do you mean? Emotional pain with watching scenes in my life. And like, here's the nicest, kindest, most loving being I've ever met who I realize is my Lord, my Savior, even my Creator, holding me and supporting me, trying to um, give me more understanding of my life. And it was figuratively, not literally, like I was like stabbing him in the heart as we're watching this stuff. And the last thing I wanted to do was to hurt him. And I don't want to hurt him to this day. Uh, Jesus is a very feeling man. God is a very feeling creator. What were you seeing played out? I saw scenes where um, my sister was in bed crying and I got up in the middle of the night and went in and put my arms around her and hugged her. And Jesus and the angels were so filled with joy that I had been willing to do that, to try and um, you know, help her a little Comfort bit in her grief. But those were rare, the, uh, the scenes of my indifference, just seeing, seeing people as objects in order to maneuver around through or you know, to shift to further my, my goals and my ambitions. See, relationship with God is God's gift to us, but our lives, how we live them is our gift back to God. And you know, when you get to know God's character, you want to please him. Because like Howard said, God feels. And it's it's not just Howard that said that. Isaiah 780 BC wrote the same thing in Isaiah 63. And this is amazing. This is a Jewish prophet, but listen to how God is revealing himself as father and son, savior and Holy Spirit who feels things. Says, I will tell of the kindnesses of the Lord. He said, surely they are my people, children who will be true to me. He wants to be a father to children. And so he became their savior. You know, the word Jesus literally means savior. And in all their distress, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. I mean, you see this father, son or savior and Holy Spirit and God feels. You know, it it, it talks about how God desires children who will be true, faithful to him. And he's distressed when you are distressed. And, and through your trials and troubles, he carries you along, but it grieves his Holy Spirit when you or I rebel against him. And, and friends, this is the reason to want to follow God and not sin against him. You know, not to avoid punishment, uh, not to prove you're good, but because God loves you and you love him. And you don't wanna do anything to disrupt the flow of that love and joy between the two. You don't want to hurt him. And you bring him great joy, like Howard said, when we do things that are within his will and in line with his will. And it hurts him when we turn and rebel against him. But it's important to understand this life review is not just a rubbing your face in your mistakes. In fact, 
one of the things I think that happens in the life review is for those who have accepted God's forgiveness offered through Christ, they see their mistakes, but they see how amazing it is what God has done to forgive them and wash them away. But the life review for, for many is, is, a, is a praise. It's feeling wonderful about the way they lived their life and what they did and the impact they had. God, you see, is a rewarding God. Jesus told us this. Matthew 16, for the son of man is gonna come in his father's glory uh, with the angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. See, this life review is also a preview of, of heaven's award ceremony. In fact, Paul talks about it like this in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. He will expose the motives of the heart. And at that time, each will receive their praise from God. See, this life review is a reminder that God wants to praise you. He wants to reward you. Every little unseen thing, those things that don't count in the world's eyes, count in God's eyes. Every little act of kindness done, every little unseen motive that you did out of an, a, a desire to please God. When you do the right thing, even though it hurts you, you know, every bit of money you give to God for his work or to help people, every little thing God will one day show you that that brought him great joy and he promises to reward you for it. You know, uh, Jesus said this, he said at the end of time, the king will say to those on his right, those who he calls righteous, come you who are blessed by my father and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, God says, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And Jesus said, the righteous will say to him, when did we do, see you and do these things for you? And the king will say, whatever you do, did for one of the least of these, brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. It's exactly what Howard said. You know, God feels what we do toward each other and for one another. And he wants to reward us. When we do those things out of a love for him in order to love and serve others. You know, Dr. Mary Neal had Jesus show her not only how those acts of kindness affect those people, but the ripple effect throughout hu humanity. And Jesus also showed her in her life review the truth of this passage in Romans 8, 28, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Listen to what Dr. Neal says. You did go through a life review and it was nothing like... I would have imagined. My life was laid bare for all its good and bad. And one of the things we did was look at many, many, many events throughout my life that I would have otherwise called terrible or horrible or sad or bad or tragic. And instead of looking at an event in isolation or looking at how it impacted me and my little world, I had the most remarkable experience of seeing the ripple effects of the event when seen 25, 30, 35 times removed. 
the impact an event had on me, on my little world, but then also on other people in the world. And looking at how an event that I would have said was bad changed me and changed others such that again and again and again I was shown that indeed it's true that beauty comes of all things. Mm. And it was really a, a life-changing experience. We can look at events or obstacles or setbacks in our own life that happened 10 years ago. Now you lose a job and you're devastated, but you look back 10 years and you're so grateful mm -hmm. because loss of that job set you up for the next opportunity. And it was uh, remarkable to be shown so many times the truth of that verse, the truth of God's promise that there really is beauty that comes from all things. So we were talking about these events and Jesus was showing me this and saying, look at what it did. Look at how that event impacted this person that impacted that person that impacted that person. And the reality is that we are here for a reason. We are here to learn and grow and change and help others do the same. And we don't have much time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, we need scripture to be, says make the most of every opportunity for the days we, that are evil. Absolutely. We need to be about God's business yeah. every moment of every day. One of the things that changed for me very dramatically is, and I believe it can change anyone's life, is that if you accept that there is life after death, and then even more so if you accept the rest of God's promises, but if all you do is accept that there really is continued existence after death, it changes the way you see today. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, every day matters, every moment matters, every choice, every decision, it matters. It matters. Every choice, every decision, one day God is gonna show you how those had a ripple effect throughout humanity. That God used your life for good. See, you have a purpose. He has a purpose for you being here. And, and friends, you may feel like, well, it can't be that I'm living my purpose because it's going so poorly or, you know, it doesn't seem to be going the way you would expect it to go, but it doesn't always go the way we expect, but God can still and is still using it when we follow him, when we live our purpose. You may say, well, how do I know my purpose? All right, you ready? Because I'm going to tell you how to know it. Because God's told us, first, love God. And the second is love the people around you, starting with your own family. And not just your children and your, your spouse or you know, your, your mom and dad, even those relatives you can't stand. That's part of what God is trying to teach us and do through us. And then the other way you live your purpose is you realize your life is unique. You've been given unique gifts, unique resources, unique experiences, even good and bad. God will take all of those as you offer them to him and show you how to use them to serve humanity. And as you use your uniquenesses to love God by serving and loving the people around you, you'll fulfill your purpose. And, and it doesn't matter if you're also working as a CEO or a doctor or a lawyer or a janitor or uh, you know, a, a mechanic or what, whatever your job is, you can either miss your purpose or you can live your purpose out fully. 
Because what God's looking for is how faithful are you to him with what he's given you? We can all succeed in that. You know, Randy Kay was a very successful uh, CEO. He's on the cover of Time Magazine uh, when he had a, a pulmonary embolism that killed him. In his near-death experience, he was embraced by Jesus and Jesus gave him a life review. And every time he talks about it, he says, it's as real today as it was then and it's overwhelming, he says, with joy of the love that he felt. But Jesus told him he's got to go back. And he argued with Jesus. He's like, I don't want to go back. But Jesus said, no, you have a purpose. And Randy learned something about how to discover his purpose that I think can help all of us. Watch. It was all alive and vibrant. But I just was so immersed in the presence of Jesus. I, I didn't have to say, don't leave me. He knew he knew I was thinking it though. And he said, I won't. I won't. Never. Never. And I said, why am I going back? Because I knew my children would be taken care of. I knew everything would be taken care of. I knew he loved them more than me. I knew that everything was good. And he said, because of your purpose. I said, tell me my purpose then. I want to know what it is. And he said, I won't tell you your purpose. I'm going to return you. And your purpose will be revealed one moment at a time. Because if I were to reveal your purpose in full, you would not be dependent upon me. You would be dependent upon yourself and your understanding. But my purpose for you will be revealed at the very time that you need it. And I, and I pleaded with him, please tell me, please, I'm leaving paradise. I don't want to go. And, and he reiterated that. I love you. The first time I heard anyone say, I love you, it was actually love. And uh, he said, Trust me, your purpose. That's why you're going back, and there were others praying for you. And I heard this beautiful music, and then I woke up. You can hear a full extended interview, 45-minute interview I did with Randy tonight at 7.30 right back here. And I'll be on there to answer any questions you have. I think Randy might be joining us as well to answer questions. So I hope you'll join us for that. But you know what Jesus told Randy? Jesus has already told you. He has a purpose for you and you can fulfill it. But you got to follow him moment by moment. You know, he doesn't tell you because you and I would get out ahead of him. But Jesus said this, his last night on earth, John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. You'll fulfill your purpose. You know, it's like a branch connected to a tree trunk. Just stay connected and fruit grows naturally. But apart from me, you can do nothing. 
You can't fulfill your purpose disconnected from the God who created you. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. It's not hard to live out your purpose so that when you stand before God that day and you see your movie of your life replay, it will be a great joy and a great reward for a life well lived. So how do you do it? Well, real simply, live your purpose this way. First, learn about God daily. You know, get into the Bible and learn what God's already revealed about his character and his promises. Come join us each week as we're learning about God. Get in a, in a group here at Gateway because we're trying to help each other learn about God so that we can do the second thing, which is learn to walk with God daily. See, God created you for a relationship to walk with him now all the way into eternity. And you know, God gives us promptings, right? There are those thoughts in our minds and, and we have to learn how to discern those and listen and respond willingly. That's what obedience is. Now, I wrote the book, Soul Revolution, to teach us how to hear and respond in, in obedience. But then also, if we turn away from God, if we sin, if we fail, don't stay there, don't hide it, don't pretend he doesn't know. Just admit it and turn back and thank him. Because 2,000 years ago on a cross, he died for that. He paid for that so that it wouldn't disconnect you. So thank him and turn back and stay connected even better for the next hour. You do that and you can have assurance you will live your purpose because God promises that he's with you and he'll guide you. And then one more thing to do is serve others daily. Get in a habit of just praying, God, who's one person that you can show me that I can serve or love today? And as you do that, you'll start to reorient yourself. Even as you go through your work, whatever your job might be, whether a CEO or, or working in hotels or wherever you work, whatever you do, he will show you how you can do that. And in and through all that you are, all that you have, all that you do, you will live your purpose. And one day your life review will be a great reward. Let's pray together. God, thank you. You've not made it difficult. We don't have to um, work hard to prove ourselves. Relationship is a free gift. But God, out of love, we want to give our lives back to serving you so that one day it will bring you great joy to show us how you used every little act and all the gifts and all the resources you gave us. You used it to change humanity, to spread a ripple effect of love through humanity. And God, we pray that that's what you would do in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.